You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and the social club is back. We are back to dissect the biggest stories from the Premier League this weekend. We're going to be focusing on the game today between Chelsea and Manchester City at Stamford Bridge. Of course, Pep Guardiola's side rolling back the years and blowing Chelsea out of the water. We're going to be discussing that game. We're going to be discussing the future of Frank Lampard. And of course, this is an Arsenal podcast, so it wouldn't be right for us not to discuss uh, some Arsenal-related topics as well. So we'll be touching on whether we think Arsenal can challenge for the top four, why it is that Mikel Arteta's team uh, seem to be much improved of late. And to join me in doing that this evening, I'm delighted to welcome back the brilliant Mr. Simon Alavi. How are you, sir, first of all, and a happy new year? Yeah, good, thank you. Happy new year to you, man, and you and your family, of course. Very briefly saw them on your doorstep, but that's about it. He's become very, you've become very polite in the last uh, Me, few yeah, What's happened? Yeah. New year, new beginnings? I don't know. I think this whole um, situation just made you more grateful, hasn't it? Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Yeah. Can't disagree with that at all. Can't disagree with that at all. Um, let's begin by uh, welcoming all of those in the live chat at the moment. I can see there are a load of you in the chat box. Uh, welcome. Uh, happy to have you with us, of course. Please, if you haven't already, make sure you smash the like button on whichever platform it is that you are joining us from. If you're listening to this on Monday morning via the audio be sure to leave us a review. Um, it is very much appreciated. Make sure it's a five-star review and make sure that you leave a comment as well because that really does help. Uh, straight away, Alavi, the guns have got a comment. You'll be delighted by this. Simon has been working hard on Arms Day. There you go. Y you've just made his day, week, month, year uh, with that comment. Look at him. Mohammed, named after my hero, Muhammad Ali. Look at that. Well, <laughs> give that man, give that man free Patreon now. <laughs> brilliant stuff right let's uh, let's kick off by talking Arsenal because um, Alavi I think a lot of Arsenal fans were getting agitated by sort of Mikel Arteta um, in the last few months or so people starting to wonder whether he was the right man whether the job itself was too big for him whether he'd be able to steer this massive ship back on course and he's provided himself with a great deal of respite by picking up nine points from nine. Now you and, and DeLuca in the WhatsApp group will remember me saying that if we took seven points from Chelsea, Brighton and West Brom, I'd have been delighted. We got nine. What do you, you know, you're not an Arsenal fan. So looking at it from the outside in, what do you think has changed the Arsenal football club in the last couple of weeks? Not a lot because <laughs> there's a, a to make a boxing reference, there's a there's a trainer who I always listen to, a guy called Adam Booth. I don't know if you remember, he used to train David Hay back in the day. And he, he always says, with sport, uh, football obviously being one, when, when it's really depressing, anonymous, sometimes it's not quite as bad as it seems. And when, and when you get all the praise and the adulation, maybe just take that with a pinch of salt. So actually, when it was really bad and everyone said there were going to be relegation candidates, let's be honest, they never were. They're tough games. They lost one or two that they weren't meant to. Now, they've gone unbeaten two teams in the bottom four, correct? Yep. Yeah, bottom four, and Chelsea. So let's just hold on a minute with the praise, but also the negativity was too much. In terms of tactically, from an outside perspective, all I can see the last couple of games is you've got that thing called the number 10, which has gone missing. Uh very simply, a player that can link up play. Um, and the kid yesterday, and, and against Chelsea, was, was brilliant. Now, I don't think we should get too excited about a young player, but he does seem to be what Arsenal needs. And the type of goals that Arsenal score, and, and the, the one yesterday or the day before, sorry, was an example of that, that typical Arsenal goal. You don't score without a number 10. It just doesn't happen. That player that links between the lines... The way he played that ball and then looked up straight away when he hit Saka, that reminded me of just a vintage number 10 player. Willian can't do that. Um, 
various other players over the last few months haven't been able to do that. Ozil used to be able to do it. Whether he can do it now, I don't know. So I think that's the, that's the difference, having him in the team. Um, I think Mario's been quite good the last few weeks. I don't know whether he will keep his place when Gabriel comes back. I think, as, again, as an Arsenal expert, you'll know, you'll know more than me. Um, but I just think those two players in particular have really impressed me. But I do think that they've just won games that they really should be winning. And I know you quoted this on your podcast a few weeks ago, Harry, when you said, uh, and you quoted me as saying that actually the worry is when you play the teams like Wolves and Leicester. Well, they've got to play Wolves and Leicester in February. They've got to play Southampton end of January, I believe. So let's see how they're doing those fixtures. Because as far as I can see, they've just won the last two games that they really should have won. And Arteta is going to get them into the top eight, probably. And that's where they should be um, if this is a rebuilding season. And I believe, believe Arteta, unlike Lampard, which we'll discuss later, I believe Arteta is a rebuilding manager. And I've said, and I always maintain, he should be given that chance. Let him have the season. See if he can find that kid from Seville. So I think he'll fit in nicely. Um, although that's just a rumour, of course, and, and go from there. But it's just... Football fans being so extreme, I don't think that like he turned up three weeks ago and there was this massive revolution. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I think there is there is a tendency as as football fans and and in particular Arsenal fans um, to go OTT one way or the other, and maybe that's not necessarily the way it should be. You know, you 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 win a few games, great, doesn't mean you're going to win the Premier League title. You lose a few games, it doesn't mean you're going to get relegated. There's got to be a bit of a middle ground. I think you're absolutely right in that. Where I slightly disagree with you is on the not much has changed because I think a lot of the team has changed. And I think that's played a key role in this shift in attitude, the shift in intensity. I, I, your point about Emil Smith-Rowe coming in is absolutely right. We've got a player there now who can link up the play, but also has the fitness and the, the desire to do some of the, the legwork that maybe Mesut Ozil wouldn't do. And maybe that's why Mikel Arteta is not too keen on, on reintroducing him. I think Bukayo Saka finally playing in a proper position. And by that, I mean on the right flank or even on the left flank, wherever. But it's not a wing-back position. And that's where Bukayo Saka needs to be playing. That's where he can influence games. Um, I think Martinelli's been a breath of fresh air in the couple of games that he's played. Didn't play against West Brom, but he's been out for six months. And they're still, I think, um, right to nurse him back to fitness slowly and carefully. Pablo Marie's been good. Yeah, um, yeah. In answer, what I meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Pablo Marie's been really good. In answer to your question around whether or not he will retain his place, I honestly could not tell you right now. Um, I, I've always said that that Mikel Arteta is big on having a right footer and a left footer at centre-back because of the way he likes to play out from the back. Now, it'd be interesting to see whether when Gabriel comes back to fitness, because in my opinion, Gabriel is better than Rob Holding, then it comes to the point, doesn't it, where... Mikel has to decide whether he prefers to stick with his principle of the right footer and the left footer and persists with holding and, and one of those two. Or if he decides that actually Gabriel and Pablo Marie as a pairing could be something. Now, mm. Pablo Marie lacks a bit of pace. Rob Holding lacks a bit of pace too. And that would be my worry about persisting with those two in the longer term. Arsenal are very um, keen on squeezing teams up the pitch at the moment. And that was always Mikel's longer term vision. And I don't know if you can do that with two centre backs who really lack in pace and maintain that. So there's a few there's a few issues. But, but I, I mean I don't mean that he hasn't made any changes in terms of personnel, but I don't think he's necessarily coming on Monday um on the training ground after the poor run of form and gone by the way, um, you know, I'm I'm completely changing the way we play. I'm I'm completely, you know, yeah. um parting ways with my vision. I don't think he's done that. I think actually and I always compliment him, but maybe a negative is actually he's done what a few of us called for on this pod to give the youngsters a chance a little bit late because we were calling for some of these players, even me and I'm not an Arsenal, but I'm far from it. We were calling some of these players who are doing quite well in Europa and he's finally sort of conceded and done it. But I don't think as a, you know, his vision has changed considerably. I don't think he's tactically changed massively. It's just, these are the players that seem to want to play for that shirt at the moment. Yeah, this is a good point. It's a good point. There is, you know, you're right. I think that Mikel Arteta's principles would have pretty much been the same. I think that 
we have to accept and we have to acknowledge that Mikel Arteta is somebody at the beginning of his managerial journey. Yes, he worked under Pep Guardiola. Yes, he played under Arsene Wenger. You know, even give him credit for, for playing under David Moyes, who at the time, let's be realistic, was doing wonderful things with Everton Football Club. So, you know, he's worked under some really good managers. He's worked at some massive clubs, but he's still going through a learning curve here and it's still going to take time, I think, before we see Mikel Arteta, the finished article. And speaking of, um, well, I'll come on to that in a minute. Let me just get your thoughts on the the top four uh, race because there's been a bit of discussion, a few whispers floating around that Arsenal now, um, obviously just six points behind Spurs in fourth. Of course, Spurs have a game in hand, uh, having had their game against, uh, was it Fulham? Cancelled. Um, but, is the top four a realistic target for Mikel Arteta's Arsenal or do you still think that they'll fall a little bit short of that? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll stick to our pre-season where I went City, Liverpool, United and Spurs. Whether I can still support that order exactly, I don't know. But maybe after today, yes. Um, yeah, I think he'll fall short and they'll they'll be lucky to finish in top six because actually finishing in top Top six at the moment isn't a bad achievement. You've got Everton and Leicester and Wolves that will challenge you. So even top six isn't a given. But I expect him to. I expect him to probably finish around six. If I'm completely honest, I don't think they've got anything above those four teams I've mentioned to, to break into the uh, to the top four. But it's not the relegation panic that a few um, a few people were joking. And, and I don't know if everyone was joking. That's the scary thing. Uh, Sam Allardyce wasn't joking, although he's making out well, he's of years now. He's doesn't he? He's completely <laughs> backtracked. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, let's pick up some of you guys' live comments. My my view on, on the top four race is that it's not impossible. Um, yeah. And it's been such a strange season that you never know. If you do string a run of games together, you're, you're right back in the mix. But I maintain from before the season started that I felt that Arsenal were going to be a little bit short of the, of the Champions League positions. But as long as we were closer, that is what I wanted to see. That was the progress that I wanted to see. I wanted to see us get closer to that target. And of course, being in the Europa League, we always have that option of sneaking in the back door as well, um, which is which could be huge. Uh, let's pick out some of your comments um, from the live chat. Uh, Alex McCarthy says, the way the season has turned out so far, it's just been crazy with unexpected results and big teams being inconsistent. Agreed. And that's why you can't really rule anybody out at this stage. Uh, TalkSense says, I think Arsenal will come sixth and win the Europa Cup. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, Arsenal Granny. I love this. This screen name makes me laugh every time I see it. A uh, different formation, moving Saka to the right. So that's what he puts uh, the improvement down to, says that makes the team more balanced. Uh, this is an interesting for one uh, one for you, Alavi. Uh, Mohamed says, does Simon think Arsenal should have cashed in on Aubameyang? Brilliant player, but hasn't been close to justifying the wage because we don't have players who can play with him. Now, this is... Been, this, didn't we? Yeah, and, it, and it's been a bit of a debate amongst the Arsenal fans of late because Aubameyang's not scoring, missed a couple of games. Uh, well, missed the game against Chelsea. Martinelli came in, done brilliantly. Lacazette's on good form now. You know, I it's easy to be a hindsight merchant, I think, and go back and say, yeah, we should have cashed in on him and we shouldn't have given him that contract. But I'm, I'm not the only one that was saying during the summer that our most significant business and biggest bit of business would be to keep hold of Aubameyang. Where are you on the whole Aubameyang debate? Yeah, I think in the summer, I, my point was that we have to consider the market and that actually, I think the price being floating around that was, correct me if I'm wrong, Harry, 30, 35 million, which is terrible money for Aubameyang. He should, of at, well, certainly at that time, have been on more than that. Um, I don't think it's a bad point from Mohamed now because we've got that we've got that hindsight, but then in today's environment, who do you buy for that amount? So we were talking about 30, 35 million. Cashing in on him for 70 million is a little bit is a little bit different. I still think on his day, he can produce. You don't become a bad player because of a of a few games. Agreed. I completely um, agree with that. That's the thing. <laughs> um, so we we actually had this discussion. Um, if you're um, if your viewer wants or listener wants to go go back to it a few months ago on the pod. And our point was purely that because of a, you know the coronavirus situation, the fact is that 
you're going to get half of what you should get for that player and therefore who you can possibly bring into that amount won't really be a fair a fair swap so i think arsenal are right to keep him but <laughs> at the moment he does need to get some goals goals under as well and look, he he will he's still a class player and he will still get he will still get a substantial amount of goals by the end of the season it might not be it won't be as many as last season or season before but at the end of the day isn't the fact that he could go on a free at the end of this season still no 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 well he could have he's obviously signed the contract he signed the free contract he could have had we not done that yeah yeah so you can't say he's not gonna you'd bet on him being able to deliver in the next two three years to substantiate that contract you'd hope anyway yeah, I think so as well. I think so. You don't just become a bad player overnight, like no, you said. No. And 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 as I was saying to somebody last night, this is the first time in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's Arsenal career that he's experienced any form of blip. You know, he's been incredibly consistent from the day he joined the club. I think since he joined the Premier League, only Mo Salah scored more goals than him um, in the division or, or has a better goal-to-game ratio. I can't remember what the exact statistic was, but... He's been incredibly consistent from the day he arrived at the Emirates Stadium. So to now sort of be sitting there saying we should have cashed in on him when he's going through a little bit of a difficult phase. A difficult phase, by the way, in which he still managed four goals this season. It's not like he's not hit the net, back of the net at all. Um, you know, there are some some strikers out there that, that have got worse returns than that, that you would, um, you know, argue a top level. So it's, yeah, it's, um, it's a difficult also, one. Football is a business, right? So... That contract essentially means nothing. All that contract means is that he hasn't left in the summer. That means if someone comes in for him this summer, Arsenal yeah. go, all right, fine. Well, you need to pay a certain amount for him now because we can't let you have him on a free. And by the way, he's on this much. So you need to, you need you to need pay to that much for us. To, exactly. So you could look at it from a business perspective as well. But yeah. you can certainly see why. There's certainly credence to Mohamed's argument because he's, he hasn't delivered. And there's no doubts about that. Yeah, that's right. But like you said, you're protecting your investment as well as, exactly. as anything else, exactly. aren't you? Um, the idea is probably to move him on before that contract expires, yeah. you know, and, and get some get some money back in for him. Um, let's pick up a few more comments before we move on to the next subject. Um, Archangel says, most sensible fans don't mind losing so long as the players seem to try and care, which wasn't the case before. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, Don Giovanni says, Mari will be great like-for-like cover and competition for Gabriel long-term. Uh, I agree with that. I don't think he's more than that. I think that's exactly what he is. I think he is um, he is competition, like-for-like competition. Left-footed, centre-back, uh, quite physical, like-for-like competition. There you go. Uh, Osman Ali says, can we get top four? Why not? We, will we get top four? No one can predict the future. Is it likely based on everything we've seen in the last few years? No, but we've got to just take it game by game. Uh, let's pick up but a literally couple. Anyone can beat anyone, right? Like, I know That's we say it, it a That's lot it. in the Premier League, but this last season, it, it, last season was almost like you could beat everyone bar Liverpool. Now it's yeah. like, well, actually, you might be able to get a result against Liverpool. So it's, it's, it's mad how many points, how many wins can you can go from relegation candidates to top six. It's, 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 it's the best, 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 best league in the world in that respect. Not skill, but in that respect. And anything can happen. We have to think like with what's going on with Fulham and everything else, there's a lot that can happen, fortunately or unfortunately, that could favour a particular team. And one team could have to play, I don't know, three games in eight days. And, you know, anything can happen. So... Yeah, I wouldn't want to be a bookmaker now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, John Knott says the way the season is going, top four isn't out of the question, but top six is realistic. Big hello to George, DJ Sooty. He says hey. everyone has had a dip. Liverpool, Spurs, United, and Chelsea. A run for any team means everyone is in a shout with shout at Europa and even the top four places. Um, <laughs> DJ City. I joined DJ City's uh, New Year's Eve party on Facebook for a little bit, and but he wore a suit, so you know he's showing us up there. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, if, if, listen. If you're into your music, head over to George DJ Sooty's page. Yeah, um, I'm sure you can, if you're watching on Facebook, I'm sure you can click straight through to it. Um, George, feel free to drop the link to your website or whatever you want in the comments. Yeah, mate. promote us as well. Yeah, let people go over there. <laughs> 
let's see what else we've got here in terms of your comments. Um, <laughs> Alex says, Simon looking at us like we're the borrowers. It's the way he's leaning into the Yeah, yeah I'm trying to see the thing. Basically, the by the way, is it some old? I think it's a film. Um, oh, right. I, I think it's if I'm thinking of the right one, Star Wars or Doctor I'm trying to remember what film it is. It's the one where the the, the people shrink. Is that the one? I think it's unless that, it's an only falls and all this episode, we're unlikely to know. But <laughs> I'll look it up after. Yeah, I think I it's the one where they little people from here. Yeah, he, he ain't oh, got right. his glasses on. He ain't got yeah, his contacts yeah. in, <laughs> no. and he's too tight to buy a laptop. There you go. <laughs> let's uh let's move on let's let's pick up a couple more comments on the arsenal stuff um, but just a quick reminder before we do that i can see there are over 200 of you joining us live right now across the multiple platforms and i know there are going to be lots and lots more joining us on the replay and joining us via the audio platforms so please if you haven't already smash the like button subscribe to the uh, channel make sure that your notifications are turned on leave us a review if you're listening via audio um tazel says i think arsenal will finish outside of the top four i really think the europa is the biggest competition for us this year the league is for arteta to work out his system holding will never be good enough to be in the starting 11 week in week out i don't see why two left-footed players can't play together we see it all the time with right-footed players so i don't get why Gabriel and Marie can't play together. I agree with that. And I, I said it on the stream earlier today. If you think back to some of the great Premier League central defensive partnerships, Toure Campbell, uh, Vidic Ferdinand, uh, Carvalho Terry, they were all right-footed players. So it can be done. It can be done. But my point is that Mikel Arteta clearly has some kind of issue with it he, he clearly sees that as a must in his system I think it's to do with the patterns of play with which he wants to see his team play out from the back and it could mean that if you're playing on your wrong side you could get yourself in a little bit of a, a dodgy situation so I'm not saying that I agree with that approach I think that you can play two like-footed players at centre-back but Mikel Arteta has made a point about that in the past and I think based on his um on his selections, you have to assume that that, that is the way he's going to go. But I, uh, think you're, I think you're not giving him credit. I think you're saying that he's stubborn and he he's not going to um, veer from that stubbornness. He probably doesn't see those three in necessarily the order you see, or Tuzel, um, who knows his stuff as well, who sees those three. He probably sees them as, say, level, right? And what he's saying is, you know what, if I see them as all around the same ability, what I'll do is... I'll stick to my system. I think if there was two very, very high quality um, defenders that played on, say, for argument's sake, the left foot, and there was one who was nowhere near that standard and was right footed, I think he would completely abolish his. Um, yeah, I, I agree. That's 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 the difference. You're you're you and Tazel are making him look like stubborn. He's just going to go. Oh, no, no, he, one. He, it's not. It's because you don't rate holding as much as Arteta. That's all it comes down to. No, I, I don't think it is that. I, 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 I said it, as I said on the stream earlier, my point was he's got to decide whether he wants to stick with the idea and the idea being that you need a right footer and a left footer. He's got to decide whether he prefers to stick with the idea or whether he sees two left-footed players as superior and, and, and that will depend on which way he goes. For me... I think Mikel Arteta has been stubborn at times since he's taken over as the Arsenal boss. And, and, and this is a situation for me where it's going to be really interesting to see what he does because we've got, you know, we've got two good quality left-footed centre-backs, you know. Um, but you're acting like Rob Holding's like some awful, you know, should yeah, be in Rob, League One. Rob Holding is not an elite centre-back. You know, Rob Holding has been so inconsistent throughout his Arsenal career. Yes, he's had bad injuries. Yes, he, he, a lot of it has not always been his own fault. The commitment's always been there, no doubt about that. But there have been times where Rob Holding has looked like a championship player. And 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 that cannot be forgotten at this point. Yes, he's going for a good run of form. But if you want to have aspirations of playing in the Champions League and, and getting into the top four, you cannot focus on Rob Holding and think that he is the man that is going to get you there. And I'm speaking from watching him over a period of time. You know, he is playing okay at the moment. Um, but as you pointed out earlier on in the show, two of those three games we won were against bottom four sides. And was Rob Holding as busy as he might be on another day? 
You know, it, does he have the pace that if he gets turned when he's trying to press forward that he can deal with it? We've seen in the past that he doesn't. So there is a, there is still a lot of question marks around Rob Holding for me. I know that Arsenal are said to be in talks with him over a new contract, but for me, you can't be sure that he's the man right now. And, and, and that's where Mikel now has to make a decision. Do I prefer two left footers? Do I persist with Rob Holding? Does David Lewis get a look in again? Um, you know, there, there are Definitely. so many options. <laughs> yeah, well, you would say that. Uh, you would say that. Uh, let's just pick out a couple more comments because lots are coming through. Um, if I miss your comment or I miss your question, I do apologise. The chat box is constantly updating and sometimes um, I do miss some. Uh, what have we got here? Um Let's, uh, let's pick out a couple. Uh, Kene Ogbodo says, Harry, you're making a hell of a mistake. You can't make the mistake of playing two left-footed centre-backs. So Mikel Arteta is not the only one that thinks <laughs> that you can't play uh, with two uh, centre-backs of the same foot. Look, I'm not saying you can't do it. I think you can do it. I just think based on what I've seen from Mikel Arteta so far, I don't think he wants to do it. And there's going to have to be some really good performances from a couple of his left-footed centre-backs to persuade him to veer away from what he's always done. Let's move on. Um, let's discuss the game that took place this afternoon, Super Sunday. And for once, Salavi, we actually had a decent game to watch at 4.30 on a Sunday afternoon. Because yeah. uh, a lot of the because you didn't get... bet on the... the uh... <laughs> goals <laughs> let's um let's touch on the game first of all it was Chelsea 1 Manchester City 3 um Manchester City rolled back the years and yeah. in my opinion completely schooled Chelsea and Frank Lampard when Manchester City play like that they are as good as anyone in the country I would say they're no, better they're the than best. Liverpool oh, we keep on, on their best at their best they are still the best I know I keep saying it on the show when I go on at the best, they are still the best side in this country to watch. It, yeah. You know, you look at the strength. Of it, didn't they bring on like Aguero and Mares? That's un- like, you know, that's unbelievable. Like to, to be able to bring them on. Um, I think what they're four points behind Liverpool now. I am still going for them to win the title. I don't know. I know everyone thinks Liverpool will. I just think that there's he'll just get them clicking again. Four the points, by the way. Break. Four points was behind four with points? a game in hand. Oh, still of, course, in hand. of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they had it cancelled, didn't we, against Everton. So, really, if they, if they win that game, it's one, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I I'd, I'd still think that. They're, they're still my pick to win the league. I know everyone <laughs> everyone thinks Liverpool. But, um, yeah, when they're like that, the way they, they break, they play, the, I know, you know, <laughs> I've been criticised for my liking of their, some of their defensive players, but even their defence at the moment looks, when they're not throwing parties, looks quite, um, <laughs> look, <laughs> looks, quite, looks quite formidable. So, again, when you watch a game like that, though, Harry, I'm always torn between, and we'll go on to this, how good were they and how bad were they? Yeah. And, that's the t- and that's the tough thing to try and always, to try and always work out. Um, because I think Chelsea played into their hands to a degree as well. Um, but I think City, Liverpool, and Man United might push them, but you can imagine it's going to go down to City and Liverpool to, at the wire again. Just before we we sort of deep dive a little bit into Chelsea, yeah. um, it, there's, a, there's a good question in the chat. Um, can Manchester United challenge Liverpool and City for the Premier League title. Um, you know, Manchester United have shown some good signs of late, but I still look at Man United under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and feel like a, a crisis or a mini crisis is always around the corner. Do you feel like that with Man United? I mean, they've got bags and bags of attacking talent, but there are vulnerabilities in that side. So I think there's an, the problem with them is that there's an over-reliance on a player, right? So Liverpool had that to a degree, They've lost that player and they're still top of the league. So, Virgil van Dijk, of course. If City lost De Bruyne, I think they've got cover. The problem is if anything happens to Fernandes, anything, even a few games, that's when they'll drop points. I've never, ever seen a player impact the team, maybe since Henri at Arsenal. I, I can't remember a team's changed so much based on, based on one player. So, my worry for them... Um, as well as obviously, if they don't find another centre back in January, my worry for them is that they will will fall short. Um, 
However, I think they'll definitely finish top four and I think they'll be there and thereabouts until at least um, March if, if, if football doesn't take um, a break till then. I, I do think to a degree it might become a three and then, and then go into a two with Manchester United um, slipping away oh, from City and Liverpool. Yeah, but I mean, even you must sometimes look at all those three teams and admire the way they go football. They've, they've played football in terms of when they counter that. They've got that way of going forward that none of the other sanity teams seem to have in the league. And it's just, it is good to watch. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Um, I, I think... And I, I I shouldn't admit this on an Arsenal podcast. I should never admit this, but I've actually in. I don't even know if I can say this. Can my can my tongue can say this? Hurt, can I yeah. bring it out this out? I think Manchester United right now are really good to watch. I think yeah. Manchester City are really good to watch. I think Liverpool are really good to watch. You must look and at Fernandez and just go, "Jeez, if they lose, he's unbelievable. The guy <laughs> is unreal. The the impact it's, it's that the he has had." How, like you're saying about Aubameyang, oh, he took a bit of time here, he took a bit of time there, he takes five games off, he took a bit of time to um, adjust to the Premier League. You, that that was absurd. Like he just came in and bang. Yeah, no, no you're absolutely right. Let's uh, let's pick out some of the comments um, on uh, on the kind of title race and, and who's probably in the the driving seat for it. Who did you pick? You picked. Um, I picked City. I picked City as well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I picked City from the start. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gosma says, I agree with Simon. Man City are the most consistent team at the moment. They appear to have sorted their dodgy defence out and look like title winners for me. You're right. Defensively, they've massively improved. There's never been a question mark around their attacking talent. And as we pointed out, uh, when you look at the Premier League table currently, if Manchester City were to win their game in hand, they would be just a point behind Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. Which it, hold on, they've right still got Laporte to come back as well. And, and, and Aguero's not and even about, fit. And about Aguero's not even players, fit. Yeah. You know, Phil Foden said it after the game today, didn't he? When he was asked about whether he's frustrated by the lack of game time, he said, there's so much talent in this team that it's very easy to be on the bench. You know, Riyad Mahrez today was on the bench. Sergio Aguero was on the bench. So that squad has just got so much depth. And even having been hit by COVID the way they have, um, they're still a, a really strong side. Charles says United will never win the title because they play like cowards. You can include Spurs, Chelsea and Arsenal too. Not sure where you're going with that. I think United are very attack minded at the moment. I don't know if cowards is the right. I think you could say that about Spurs and Jose Mourinho. Um, but no, not, not about. I haven't seen Man United park a bus for about a year. Me neither. Me neither. <laughs> Um, let, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, Flow Show says, "I was just saying this to my friend yesterday. United is one Bruno injury from capitulated." Uh, right, I nearly said Brian Adams there. Ryan Adams says, "Man United." <laughs> are... <laughs> there you go. Uh, Ryan Adams says, "Man United are a very talented side. It's mm. if Oli gets it right." Um, I know Alavi likes to text me. Oli's at the wheel every time Man United because he keeps game. it simple. He keeps it simple. He just stays at the wheel. <laughs> it stays at the wheel. <laughs> Um, let's see what else uh, everybody said. Let's let's go back to the Chelsea talk because cool. yeah. we, we kind of drifted off from it a little bit. But Frank Lampard now, you know, he had a bit of a free hit, didn't he, last season with the fact that there was the transfer ban. There was a very young Chelsea side, not a great deal of pressure on Frank Lampard to deliver much. You could argue that maybe he overachieved by getting them back into the Champions League. But the minute the checkbook opened, the minute Roman Abramovich started throwing money on the table again, the pressure increased a tenfold on Frank Lampard. And are you at the point now, Alavi, where you look at this side? Because, you know, for all the talk about Arsenal fighting relegation and all of this junk, Arsenal are just three points behind Frank Lampard's Chelsea, who have now slipped down to eighth place. They've won one of their last five Premier League games. Is it time to pull the trigger on Frank Lampard? Do you think that sacking him now would be the right decision? Or do you still feel like he's, based on what he'd done last season, he's still worthy of a bit more time? I think I, I would have probably got rid of him in the summer because I see Frank Lampard as, I guess, a conduit manager, an in-between manager, the guy who, the, the ex-player um, who the fans love, who goes in there for a year when you're in a bit of a crisis and gets the young players on, on side. But when you've got like the PSG manager available as he is now, when you have a couple of big names available in the summer... I think that's when they should have gone for a more experienced manager. I've said it before. I think he's exceptionally, exceptionally tactically naive. We were having this conversation in the game, trying to 
before I think before the game as as to whether why Jiri wasn't starting. I, I just I cannot understand some of the decisions um he makes. And I know people say, well, you could have said that about Ole or a few months ago, you could have said that about Arteta a couple of weeks ago. But with them, I feel that there's at least a plan or a vision or there's something where it's gonna go somewhere. With him, I can't I can never work out what he's doing and why he's doing it. And I think he should get credit. And the reason I think he should get credit is for the young players, because I know everyone says, well, he was forced to play those young players, but there's still a skill in being able to get them to play and and do well. But it does seem a bit of a coincidence that he comes out and he only then praises those particular young players. Why not not start those young players? Now, he's had had a bad injury um, uh, in terms, and and it was noticeable that when, um, I forgot his name, got injured, um, that they haven't played anywhere near as well as um, as well as they did at the start of the start of season. But you can't pin all your hopes um, on, on on one on one player as they as they have done. I think Havertz has been quite poor as well. Um, how many goals did he get for Bayer? If you look at how many he got for um, Bayer Leverkusen, and how he many he's get- got now, he, he's you know you you, you can't um, you can't compare how many how many he got back then and how many he's getting now. I don't, I don't know what he's doing with Kante. In, I'm not sure on the keeper either. I'm not sure why Kante is playing in this mo- a, more, um, a more advanced role. The, I'm not even going to start on Werner because the jokes are just... Um, <laughs> but They're the coming in just, from all directions. Um, I know he's had the injury to... I can't believe I've completely forgotten his name. That, um, he's had the injury to, to, the, to a main striker, but um, that, that's to no main excuse. main striker? I've completely forgotten his name. Oh, God. How embarrassing. I'll remember his name in a sec. He's a, he had a bad injury. Not to have, um, it'll come to me in a sec. Um, but he's still got players like Giroud, who, who he, do, he just doesn't, he doesn't do a job. So he, he doesn't fancy him in most games, which I just don't understand. Um, it's probably the only person to... in the world that doesn't fancy Olivier Giroud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he just seems to be intent on this crossing game, and and you know, look, their best players at the moment are probably their two centre backs. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would have sacked him. And his favourite to his favourite to win the um, the sack race. He's just gone above, um, just gone above uh, Chris Wilder, like about a minute before we came on. Well, the, there are a few points about Chelsea, and I think you've touched on some of them. I think that Mendy as a goalkeeper is not the answer. You know, you've no. gone from one goalkeeper in, in Kepa who just, you know, just doesn't give you any assurance at the back to another one who does exactly the same, in my opinion. I don't rate uh, Edouard Mendy as a goalkeeper at all. Um, I, I just don't rate him. I don't think that was a good signing. I think Thiago Silva's come in and done okay. I think um, he's done well. He's done yeah, well. Uh, he's done well, but is Kurt Zuma a top-class centre-back alongside him? Still got doubts about Kurt Zuma. I think he's improved, but I'm not sure on that. As Piliqueta, um, for all his professionalism, he just gets torn apart whenever he comes up against anyone with pace. Chilwell, brilliant going forward, but there are question marks about him defensively. Some of the midfielders, the Jorginhos, the Kovacic's, I think on their day, they're good, but they don't have their day every week, if that makes well, they sense. Well, don't, they don't get a run in anyway. Yeah, they, they, it's, so. it's always been chopped and changed. And you look at the front line for me, and this is where Frank Lampard's got the biggest problem. Because he's gone out and bought Timo Werner. He's gone out and bought Kai Havertz. And for whatever reasons, and we're not Chelsea fans, we're not necessarily Chelsea experts, so I'm not going to even try and attempt to to dissect exactly why. But for whatever reason, those two signings haven't worked out the way that Chelsea would have liked. And when you make that level of investment in two forward players... and then sorry. That's the one. Ziyech, yeah. Sorry, I've been trying to remember his name. He's he's a quality player. That just got injured. So you... How much can you blame Frank for for that? No, you can't. But when you go out and you've obviously knocked on Roman's door and said, "I want Timo Werner. I want it's going to cost me fifty million. I want (laughs) Kai Havertz. It's going to cost me God knows how much money." And then those players don't perform. Instantly, you're under pressure. You know, Chelsea's biggest attacking threat this season has been Olivier Giroud, who is almost at the he's almost at the twilight of his career. He's become a bit of a journeyman striker now. And you're looking at him and we were both saying it before the game. We were talking on WhatsApp and we were saying, why on earth has he not picked Giroud today? Why has he tried to go with Timo Werner down the middle? who's just so out of form at the minute, so out of sorts. 
And if I was a Manchester City defender, and we know what Manchester City defenders are like, their profile is to be ball players. They're quick. You know, they want to bring the ball out. They want to play a high line. Somebody like Olivier Giroud, for me... He doesn't let you play that high line, does he? He he would have been the exact player that they didn't want to see in front of them. Physical, brings people into the game, makes it a bit of a battle, clever, cunning, has a really good first Mm. touch, can hold the ball up. All the things that, as a defender, you wouldn't want to come across. Olivier Giroud possesses those. And Frank Lampard, to not even pick Tammy Abraham, who's got a bit more of that than Timo Werner, just... I just found it really strange. Yeah, I do rate Ziyech. I have to, oh no, couldn't even remember him. But I do, I do rate him as a. I do think he's the one signing where I give him. I, I think there's something there out of those three that he signed. I think Agreed, there is yeah. something there. Um, but if, if you get injured, you can't. You can't. You know, players get injured. You can't just say, "Oh, you know, my main man was injured. I bought him. I thought he'd deliver. It's not my fault. He's injured." You know. Yeah, no, agreed. Let's pick up some of the live comments uh, on on the whole Chelsea situation. Um, Sue Smith says, I like Frank as a manager. Very honest. However, I feel he should have stayed at Derby and learned his trade there. Let's not forget Frank Lampard took Derby County from yeah. sixth to sixth. That is all his achievement was. That's what Roy Keane was, was saying the other day, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. All he, that's all he did. Uh, Osman Ali says, 15 years and Chelsea have no foundations. The best youth setup in the land is used to feed the rest of Europe. A manager wins a title, then gets sacked. They waste their chances to build dynasties. The end is nigh. Really good comment, that one. I like that. Mm, yeah. um, Omar says, Lampard is out of his depth, too inexperienced. Uh, let's pick up a couple more on the Chelsea thing. Um, Tazel says, I think Lampard's job all depends on if Roman is bored or not. Yeah, probably is. Uh, Ryan says, that's what I don't get. How did Lampard overachieve last season for a top four finish after Sari? Rory Jennings said the 300 mil hurt Chelsea. Um, yeah, Rory's a, a big Chelsea man and a big Frank Lampard backer. Um, there's no doubt about that, uh, from conversations that me and him have had. That is pretty clear. Um, YouTube subscription, I guess you forgot to change your name, <laughs> says, I'm disappointed with Lampard. Be me. <laughs> Please sack him ASAP. Um, Asmarom says, Chelsea made a wrong decision by bringing Mendy instead of Emiliano Martinez. Cheaper and better by miles. That's not a bad shout, Emiliano Martinez. Um, not the only and- club to make a mistake with Martinez, are they? Yeah, well, we'll that we're, let's not get into that. Uh, Andreas in Cyprus says, Harry, do you believe Abramovich will sack Lampard? I do. Um, not not, th- not this week. Um, you know, like some people are suggesting, the Athletic have reported this evening immediately after uh, the game that Frank Lampard's job is in, and I quote, serious danger. Now, the Athletic are usually... They don't uh, get a lot good. wrong, do they? They don't. They don't. What, what I would say about um, the sacking there, Harry, is they've got to... I was looking at their fixtures. They go to Fulham next. Now, usually I think that's a good game, but you've got two factors there. It's a bit of a derby. Tenuous, but it is a bit of a derby. That game might not go ahead. If that yeah. game doesn't go ahead, they're, I believe, their next two Premier League games, I forgot the order, but I think they're either Wolves and Leicester or Leicester and Wolves. And remember, again, going back to my quote <laughs> a few weeks ago on your You're proud on your of that show. one, I do, yeah, because it's the first time you've quoted something with me, not there. Um, <laughs> they're, they're the really, really tough games. You, they're the, they're, you, I'll give you three or four teams, Wolves and Leicester are two of them. They're the ones you do not want to play when your job's under fire. You, you want a nice West Brom, or like you've had, or a nice Brighton, yeah? Or you even want a, uh, a Liverpool, just so no one can say, oh, well, you know, we were meant to win that game. You don't want it. You don't want Leicester and Wolves again. Just explain that theory. It's because those teams are... Yes, gone. yes. So, so yeah, because, I mean, on your one, you took three times to it to explain, <laughs> explain my... <laughs> Right, so essentially, those teams have the ability to beat you, but you should still technically beat them based on you know your stature, your players, your position, your history, etc. But they have the ability to beat you. So if they beat you, and they'll beat you in a style of playing that can be quite embarrassing, and they'll beat you two, three, no one look good doing it, then your job is under fire because you've just lost to a team that you should have beaten. So when you lose to Wolves, when you lose to Leicester, when you lose to Leeds and when you lose to Southampton, they're my sort of four teams at the moment, you're, you're in serious trouble because that's when the fans go, well, wait a minute. We just we lose to these teams. They got, yeah, they, we, they got promoted like three years ago, like two years ago, last year. Like, this isn't good enough. 
Like you want to play West Brom, you want to play maybe even Palace or Brighton now. Do you know what you might again? You might want to play Man United or Liverpool just to give you a bit of respite. Don't want to play those teams. And Arsenal have got them, and Chelsea have got them in the next month. Yeah, agreed. Uh, New Music says the Roman Empire has fallen. Love that. Uh, brilliant. Uh, yeah. Love that. Um, just want to touch on a couple more Frank Lampard related bits uh, before we move on. But before I do that, just another polite reminder. I can see there's over 300 of you live with us right now uh, across the multiple platforms. If you haven't already, make sure you smash the like button. And if you're joining us on YouTube in particular, make sure you subscribe. As you can see, rolling across the bottom of the screen, we're heading towards 11,000 YouTube subscribers. So uh, we'd like to get there as soon as possible. So please, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button, turn on your notifications. And if you're listening on the audio, please, please do leave us a five-star review. Um, Just kind of my final point on Frank Lampard, because I've always maintained that I don't think that this job is is one that was made for Frank Lampard. I think this is a very short-term job. It always has been at Chelsea. I think is it 11 managers in 12 years. Um, You know, you sent something in our WhatsApp conversation earlier on in which it was highlighted that... Of a success uh, rate of wins. Yeah, and I'll I'll just bring that up now. It just just highlights that uh, Frank Lampard... In terms of points per game, his his record is worse than that of Andre Villas-Boas, Claudio Ranieri, Roberto Di Matteo, Maurizio Sarri, Gus Hiddink, Luis Scolari, Rafa Benitez, Ancelotti, Conte, Mourinho and Grant. And, you know, there, there's some big names there who didn't last very long. No. So if your points per game total is worse than that, then you've got you've got something to be worried about. Well, Di, Di Matteo got sacked after winning the Champions League, right? So How harsh can you my, be? Well... <laughs> My only thing would be, I guess it's a bit different because Abramovich, I don't, I don't know how much he cares, but is there a bit of a, uh, do you sack a, le- how hard is it to sack a legend? That's I don't the think only, I don't think, no, yes. that's what I mean. Like, if you can sack, very lucky, yeah. if as a Chelsea ma- boss, you can sack Jose Mourinho, then I think that's you can true. sack anyone. Yeah. 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 And I don't think, I don't think there's going to be a big, um, revolt of the fans. I don't think they're going to start, you know, well, they couldn't anyway, so you shouldn't be out tier four. They shouldn't be protesting. Um, but I don't think they would anyway. I think they'd sort of turn around and go, do you know what, Frank, that club legend, keep him as backroom staff. Feel free to come come over a cup of tea whenever you want. Just, like, go and get your manager experience somewhere else because, you know, you've just learned to drive and, we've, you know, you're a 17-year-old kid and we've given you a Ferrari to drive in Formula One. Like, the two are just, they don't add up, like, yeah, and and for all the the sort of discussion around Abramovich's way of doing things, I actually can't really sit here with my hand on my heart and say that he's he's done it badly because you know Chelsea are uh, you know have been extremely successful under Roman Abramovich's tenure, and part of that is the fact that there is a lot of pressure to succeed and a lot of pressure to deliver, and when things aren't going right, he doesn't hesitate to pull the trigger. So, in that sense, I think. Um, I think you've got to you've got to give Abramovich some credit. I guess it's not the ideal it's not like way Watford, of doing it. Right? <laughs> no, exactly. You know, Watford do it, and they don't really get any success out of it. Whereas in Abramovich's case, we're talking about a club that have been competing at the top of not just English football but European football um, since he since he took over. Um, you know. Chelsea are said to be very, very disappointed by uh, the performance today. That's according to Fabrizio Romano, another journalist who's normally very in the know. Um, He says that the board have been backing Frank through this difficult period, but they were really uh, disappointed by what they saw today. So it remains to be seen whether he'll stay in the job and if so, how long for, if he can turn things around. But the last point I want to make on Frank Lampard, Alavi, and what I found really interesting was his post-match interview. Yeah. we were both waiting for it before we came on here. Um, we were waiting for Frank Lampard to emerge and to, to have his say. And I, I compare this a little bit to a situation we saw from Mikel Arteta for, for the Arsenal fans cho- tuned in. Mikel Arteta, if you remember a few weeks back when Nicolas Pepe got sent off, he came out and he really condemned the player and really dug into him and said that it was completely unacceptable, made the point that he let his team down. And then a couple of weeks later, Granit Xhaka gets sent off for a very similar sort of thing, grabbing a player, getting involved in a situation he didn't need to. And the criticism wasn't there. And the criticism wasn't there in some Arsenal fans' eyes because Mikel Arteta has favourites. I don't think that's the case. I think Mikel Arteta learnt 
from what he did. And he made a mistake by digging out Nicolas Pepe in public because it caused uproar behind the scenes. We know that. We know that there were a number of senior players at Arsenal Football Club who were unhappy with the way Mikel Arteta called out uh, Nicolas Pepe. So he wasn't going to make the same mistake twice. It wasn't him having favourites. He did it once. It didn't go down well and he's not going to do it again. Frank Lampard called out his players after that defeat against Arsenal. And I remember because it was against Arsenal when I watched all the post-match stuff, he really laid into them. He called the performance. He he didn't dig out a particular player. No, not a particular player, but he really dug out his group, didn't he? He called it lethargic. He called it not good enough. enough. He said there was a lack of fight, a lack of passion. Today, he was the complete opposite. He came out fighting. Are we seeing a similar situation in that Frank Lampard maybe has learnt from a previous mistake and is now taking a different approach because he knows he's on the ropes and he knows he's got to keep this group on side? You can only do that if you then go and um, back up and support what you've just done by winning the next game. So going back to your Arsenal point, he did that with Xhaka. Jack has gone in the next game and banged on in the top corner. Yeah. Fair. So <laughs> he, he, if he has learned from that, then Chelsea need to go, then go and win their next game for them to turn around and go, do you know what boss, like actually digging us out, that, that doesn't give us motivation. What gives us a bit like Ferguson used to do, a bit like Wenger used to do. They never went out and busted their team, did they? Never. They no, never they went out and defend them single, blindly. Single players. They might have a go in the, believe me, they definitely would have had a go in the changing room but they would defend them and they'll defend the team and they'd pick out a referee or something, anything to distract away from how their team played or what a particular player player did. And I think both of Arteta and Lampard on both those two occasions have shown um, a lack of experience, I guess. Um, But he he needs to go and win. He needs to now go and win his next game because they're going to turn around and say, well, you can't seem to motivate these players because when you go out and um, criticise them, then and berate them, then they don't perform. When you go out and defend them, and actually you could, they were worse today. They were lazier today than they were against Arsenal. That still doesn't work. Then they're going to turn and go, we, you've got no motive. Where are your motivational skills? Because neither is working. Yeah, no, all good points. And I think you're right. The, the key word that you use there for experience. me is inexperience. And, and, it, and it is inexperience. And as I said about Mikel Arteta, the same can be uh, applied to Frank Lampard. They're both still learning and they both have a long way to go. And you do wonder when you see situations like this, whether, and, and I'm not going to give Arteta any shit in this episode because he's won three games in the trot. But in Frank Lampard's case, you do wonder whether he took a big job too soon. But le- learning's not okay at that level. I think you don't learn at that level. That's my point. I think you learn at at clubs a bit le- lower. Not clubs that could sign yeah. the PSG manager who's just been set, but clubs that could sign an Ancelotti or a, a top, top, top manager if when they become available. Yeah, you don't have that, that leeway, do you? You shouldn't no. anyway at a big club. No, no. You shouldn't. Um, let's move on to discuss some of the recent ongoings in football around the whole COVID-19 thing. Um, I've seen a lot of comments on the channel over the last few days. Anytime I sort of bring up the COVID-19 virus in any way, shape or form, some people think that I'm digging them out who don't believe that it is a thing, who don't believe it is serious. You know, for me, I've had it. I'm, I'm still, I would say, recovering from it. It's um, taken its toll on me badly um it's not a cold it's not a flu um it is more than that i'm not saying in my case it was life-threatening i'm not I'm not saying that for a second but I, I was struggling to breathe for a few days um i'm still a little bit wheezy you've probably heard it in the podcasts uh, and it's made me doing my job extremely difficult so it has it has knocked me some of you seem to take offense by me saying that and felt that i was trying to make it a bigger thing than it is or sensationalize the the virus. Um, That's absolutely not the case. It is something that can hurt the vulnerable. There's no doubt about that. And when you look at the numbers, it is something quite frankly, that is fucking out of control and and needs to be sorted. And, And that's the bottom line. And we're even seeing it creeping into our game again. Now, obviously we had the game stopped for around two, three months earlier in the year because the situation got so bad. And I am starting to fear that with each weekend and each match week, we're getting games postponed because of COVID tests, that we could um, 
we could end up in a situation where football has to stop again. The idea of a, a circuit breaker in football, i.e. a two-week break to kind of get things under control within the bubbles of the teams and the squads has been banded about. The Premier League have come out and denied that. They've said that that was never on the cards, never on the table. But we're losing a game every round, Alavi, due to this now. Is it not time that we have a little bit of a circuit breaker? And I'm not talking about stopping football for three months. I'm talking about a two-week period, maybe, where football pauses so that we can get back to normal or try and get back to normal. I think um, a lot of it is contingent. A lot of it is dependent on them making a decision about Euro 2020 or what's going to be Euro 2021. Because I, I keep saying this, but if they cancel it, which I think they should do, then that gives us time to possibly finish the season in July and then give the players the rest and then start again. And that's just the one thing we lose. In terms of a circuit breaker, I was all for it for two weeks until someone turned around um, and said, a circuit breaker doesn't necessarily work into football because clubs, it's not like work uh, or any other job. Clubs will still have their players coming in training ticking over, using the gyms. It's not like training facilities closed for two weeks. So I thought that was a that was a good point. Um, I think as well, another point someone made, I'm not going to just pretend, pretend these are all my points, but some, someone made a point that actually there's been a lot of games this season. How many have we actually had postponed? Is it three now? I think it's three or four. Three, yeah. three or four, okay. So how many games have been played? So you look at that as a proportion. It's not that many. I think, I guess the the disturbing factor and the one that is going to cause distress to people is that it's it's all been quite recent. So you need to sort of take action. Now, I'm going to switch from wanting a circuit breaker or cancellation of the season to as long as they cancel the Euros, I think they should just continue as they can because, and I know you are unwell from it, etc. Um, and I, I'm definitely not, and belittling or minimising what it is because it's, it's no joke and it's going to go on for a while. What I would say is watching football on TV at the moment with without fans is it's giving people a mental relief. 100%. Like, and it's keeping people, actually, it's keeping a lot of people, like yourself, uh, it's keeping a lot of people in a job as well. So, I'm, again, I'm not point. trying to minimise it, but, you know, without any fans... You've only had three or four games cancelled and it's January and it's halfway through the season. So, no, at the moment, I would leave it as it is, but I would 100% cancel the Euros because you cannot have teams floating around from city to city, what, 11, 12 cities, and teams all mixing, just cancel the Euros. No one cares. Go on to Harry Kane's not going to lift anything. Just relax. <laughs> Go on to the World Cup. That gives us... You can't stop the Champions League. You can't stop all these clubs... Um, sorry, clubs. These club competitions, rather, that have started. The only thing you can stop... And I know Scotland won't be happy, but the only thing you, you can't... You can stop is something that really hasn't started, and it's that tournament. I know teams have qualified. I know there's financial issues as well. But I think... You know, it. it's like... I, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but there, there is another side to all of it where some people actually say easing of certain restrictions lead to a better mental state. And I'm not going to comment on anything outside of football. So just keeping it to football, having football on the TV just gives us that mental release just for yeah, a few agreed. hours. How different was today? Agreed. It, 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 it does. It's it dark does. outside. It's for me, <laughs> for me it's, so not only, it's not only my job now, it is keeping me sane. It is keeping me sane. There's no doubt about that. I do not want football to stop. If football stops, I don't earn any money. I don't have any work. If football stops, I don't know what I would do with my days. I'd go crazy. But I would rather have this short break, if it's going to make a difference, than have a three-month break that we're forced into further down the line because the situation continues as it is. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. I that's think fine, Harry, but you can't have a break. I mean, you can't have the Olympics and the Euros as well. This but see, with the Euros for me, yeah. with the Euros for me, I, I don't think that you can do it the way they are expecting to do it, where you fans play in all the difficult yeah, yeah, fans, different countries, different cities. Hmm. I completely disagree with that approach. I think it's got to be done like the Europa League was done and like the Champions League was done when it returned 
after the lockdown, which was designated places. I think the Europa League was done in, in Germany, wasn't it? And the Champions League was done in Portugal. And and you you go to those places and you you play those games there and you keep everybody in a bubble and you you do it that way. I think that can work. The issue here is that as well, that you've also got to take into consideration is that the situation that we have here in the UK with regards to COVID-19 isn't the same in other countries. It's a lot less severe in some of the, the, the other nations. That so why involved. should they be punished? So why should they be punished? Because our country can't get it under control. So so, so do those teams that are like Fulham, do they not get points deducted? Or do we, or I say we, but we're not sporting. But do, we, do they ban England from the Euro? You know. Is no, that, but they, is, do they, you get but, banned or deducted points but for this having is all, these negative tests or these high numbers? No, but this is all contingent on people following the bloody rules. And and this this is a great comment. I got I'm just this one's cool. Well, I've got to pick it out. Uh, Liam McFarlane, who I'm assuming is a Scotland fan, says the Euros better not get cancelled. I'm not waiting another 22 years. Love that. Um, I think for me. It's it, it can work and it can continue. And, and I have to stress the point. I want it to continue. I just worry that if we don't do something to stop it, then we might end up with a longer break and a longer uh, period of time without football. Like something has to give. We can't always be like six months behind. <laughs> one tournament or one league or something has to give. A short number of games, uh, a league being, yeah, uh, yeah, sorry, a tournament right. being scrapped, uh, a cup being scrapped. It is like when time is the biggest commodity, you can't just get it back. So something has to be scrapped. Yeah, no, that's right. It's impossible. Yeah, if if we have if we have to stop football in the Premier League and if we have to stop football in domestic competitions, then the Euros have to be scrapped. I agree, but you know it's um it's such a complex situation, and and all I guess my way of thinking is that to try and get ahead of it a little bit. Because the problem here in England, and I think whatever your political view is, I think everybody will agree that when it comes to COVID-19, this country have been behind. They've been behind in everything, in the way they dealt with it, in putting us into the first lockdown, in getting measures into place. Everything has just been too slow. And so I'm just kind of trying to foresee a situation here whereby by enforcing a short break, we might be able to get control of the situation, at least within football again. But having said all winter of that, break. How many years have I said yeah, we should have a have, winter have break? A winter break. <laughs> but having said all of that, and we can discuss this until the cows come home, we can go on and on and on and on about it um, over and over again. It all means nothing if idiots like uh, Eric Lamella, Sergio Reguillon, Giovanni Lo Celso, Manuel Lanzini, Benjamin Mendy, just to name a few, if those guys are going to break the rules, then we can't keep football in a bubble, can we? We, You know, I didn't get to see my family on Christmas. Why is it all right for Giovanni Lo Celso, Lanzini, Sergio Reguillon, uh, and those guys to have a party with God knows how many people? This is, you know, everybody has a responsibility to do what they need to do to get through this period. And we can talk about protecting footballers and keeping football on our screens and how important that is for our mental health, our sanity. But if they don't do it themselves, we're just heading in one direction. Yeah. And I think if you're in a public position, um, so yeah, same as you might, you know, my daughter had to self-isolate over Christmas. I never got to see, um, see my family. So, um, if you're in a public position or, and, and in a job where you are lucky enough to be A, paid a substantial amount, but B, your job is continuing through the virus as if there wasn't a virus, so to, so to speak. You know, most players aren't on less wages. Those MPs aren't on less wages. The least you can do is just stick to what the rules are. So when, like, the health secretary or whatever is travelling 600 miles and, and breaking the rules, or when those Spurs... Well, and I know you're not just digging out Spurs because I think, to be fair, as no, much as you're occasionally biased, they're you just the most it recent. If it was anyone, yeah, 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 yeah. they're just the most recent. When they're breaking, yeah, when they were and it was West Ham and you named a couple as well. If they're if they're breaking the rules, you just think, are you for real? Like, 
<laughs> you, but you must in today's social media world as well. You must know what you're doing. And, and how surely. dumb are you to but, pose for a picture? They all yeah, pose yeah. for a picture. How stupid can you be? Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Let us know your thoughts in the live chat. Um, what do you think? Should the Premier League consider a short circuit break um, in order to try and get the um, get the uh, the COVID virus under control in terms of within the world of football, we know that. Yeah, so, what do like what do Fulham do? Sorry to interrupt. Like, what do like when a Fulham, say Fulham don't play in the next three, four games? What what happens? Well, and, there and is going to be an overspill. So, this is, there I'm is going to be an overspill. What's going to happen? There is going to be an overspill. I guess in the case of a team like Fulham, who aren't necessarily going to play in the yeah, latter stages okay, of most competitions, yeah, yeah, fine, fine. it's not that big of an issue. But yeah. You know, there is going to be a bit of an overspill. I just, I just, I'm not so worried about the the fixture pileup. I'm worried about the lack of clarity around the rules on this as well. Because, you know, Manchester City had, is it six players, five or six players who tested no. positive yeah. within their group? Yeah, two injured. So, yeah, eight, eight, eight were out, six and, the and, virus, yeah. The rule suggests, doesn't it, that well, or the rule claims that if you've got 14 players available, you play. Yet right. we've seen games called off four clubs who have more than 14 players available. So why are we not applying this consistently as well? And 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 that's why there's a bit of a fear from my side about this getting under control, because first of all, we put rules in that we're not sticking to. Um, and, and now it's everything's been done sort of playing by ear every week. And we're losing in the last three or four rounds of matches. We've lost the game each time. So there is a I bit guess of at a least problem. the fans aren't travelling. That's the one thing I think. Yeah. You know, it's fine. I, I was annoyed on, was it news? When did the game get, the Spurs game? Because I was quite looking forward to it. And I thought, oh, that's quite annoying. I wanted two games to watch that and only got to watch the Newcastle one. But at least it's not fans travelling that are being told halfway to their destination that the game's the game's off. Um, yeah. But it's still a bad position to be in. At least if the season ended now, Arsenal would stay up. So that's the, the only silver uh, lining for you. You've been waiting. Isn't it? You've been waiting. Yeah, yeah, night my joke, yeah. He's been waiting all that all that time to get his uh, his uh, weekly joke. I've in. got my, I mean, my ref joke about Anthony Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, let us know your thoughts on all the comments, uh, all the subjects, I should say, discussed mm. in the comments section. Uh, get involved. Leave them if you're watching us, even on the replay. Uh, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. We do read all of the comments so please do get involved subscribe to the channel if you're new hit the like button if you haven't already and leave us a five-star review if you're listening via the audio platforms we're going to be back very very soon we'll be bringing you some more arsenal content tomorrow um, and a little bit later today if you're listening on the audio platforms as for the social club we'll be back next week discussing the biggest topics from the premier league until then take care cheers listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.